Hello, alongside Ryan, sir, I'm Don Helbig, and welcome to The Pick 6, the podcast by the Attractions Group, where we bring you the latest top stories from the attractions and amusement industry. Yeah, before we get started, let me remind you that you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, and so on. We also do a video version of the podcast on YouTube. Just for search for The Attractions Group Podcast. Also, follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at attractions underscore GRP. Don, take us away. I like turtles. Zoo Atlanta urgently seeks 500000 to secure a new five-year lease for its beloved giant pandas, Lun Lun and Yang Yang. Having captivated visitors for a decade, the panda's current 10-year agreement with China concludes this year. The zoo has initiated an online fundraising campaign aiming to cover the lease fees with significant progress already made by dedicated supporters. Since their arrival in 1999, Lun Lun and Yang Yang have been a highlight, welcoming two adorable cubs in the last three years, a rare feat among U.S. zoos. Atlanta stands among the select four U.S. zoos privileged to showcase these endangered creatures. I like that we live in a day and age where you can lease a panda. That, that's my, yeah, I mean, that's my takeaway from that article, but yeah, hopefully yeah, adorable, adorable, adorable animals. Yeah. Adorable animals that are, they're surprisingly vicious, you know, their adorableness to vicious ratio is way off, but yeah, I, I saw some pandas. Uh, I think I was in the second grade. They, they were temporarily at the Cincinnati zoo, but I, I do remember seeing them, but, uh, yeah, they've been at the, uh, Atlanta zoo for quite a while. In fact, I mean, I even knew that locally the closest place to see pandas is the Atlanta zoo. So hopefully they can raise that. I mean, a half million dollars for a nonprofit is a ton of money, but, um, it's, it's a worthy cause because, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of them that subscribes to the whole idea where, you know, I, I understand the whole thing about why people are against zoos, but the positive side is it does spark a lot of passion for animals and that in the end, um, you know, kind of attracts, people into careers that may help uh, conserve them. Cool. All right. Let's move on to number two. Uh, during the peak food and wine festival and just before spring break, Disneyland will temporarily close attractions like Lady Radiator Springs, uh, Incredicoaster, Redwood Creek Challenge Trail, and the Sailing Ship Columbia for routine refurbishment. This aligns with the ongoing uh closures of Astro Orbiter, Grizzly's River Run, Haunted Mansion, Splash Mountain, and Fantasmic. Um so uh Radiator Springs racers in Cars Land is going to be closed until March 1st for a brief refurbishment. That is a lot of rides to have under rehab at one time. Um it, it feels I obviously you know with Disney, you know, they're year round um uh, and they have to be very calculated about this stuff, but Wow, that's a lot of stuff, especially during a very busy season. Yeah, but they're temporary closures. A lot of times they don't last that long, and it is just before the spring break uh, rush. So, uh, you know, there's never a good time, but this might be the right time. Yeah, there's never a great time. You're absolutely right about that. What's next, Don? Just over a week ago, Kings Island installed the first piece of track for its newest family coaster, Snoopy's Soapbox Racers. This week in Mason, Ohio, uh, the amusement park reported that the final piece of track was installed on Monday, just after 1 p.m. 
The new coaster will race forward and backward at speeds up to 36 miles per hour over 1,400 feet of track. Kings Island says construction is going well and remains on schedule. The park opens for the season April 20th. The new Camp Snoopy area, including the coaster, expected to open late spring. Yeah, we can't emphasize enough they're saying late spring. Uh, so although the, I can't really call it a circuit, but yeah, each piece of track is installed. Uh, that's just the beginning. That's 50% of the project, the wiring, the trains, the testing. Um, I actually haven't really seen photos, so I don't even know how the station's coming along, but um, it's still a ways to go before it opens. So I would anticipate sometime in May, but it would be a guess. They haven't released a date yet, and they probably will when, when it's time. All right. Wisconsin Dells, known as the water park capital, pioneered indoor water parks in the 1990s. Now the area boasts numerous indoor and outdoor water parks. Mount Olympus, positioned prominently, features both indoor and outdoor water parks along with theme parks. This season, their new attraction, the Rise of Icarus, claims the country's tallest water slide at 145 feet. The tower has five body slides, eliminating the need for tube hauling. Four slides are at the 60-foot level, including three enclosed, winding slides, and one straight drop speed slide. That's difficult to say. Straight drop, drop speed slide. I can't even do it on the second try. All right. The top. Their words not Yeah, ours. that is not my alliteration. The top slide is the is the record-breaking one, enclosed one winding around the tower. So it's going to be it's the, the top slide is winding around the tower. It's not straight down. That's kind of cool. Cause you'd think that a record breaking slide, they try to go for, you know, the straight down look, but it's kind of interesting that they're doing that, but I haven't made it out this, uh, to the Mount Olympus area. Have you? No. And you know, when you think about water parks, Wisconsin is typically not the state you would think about water parks I mean, how cold it is there through late spring and how it gets cold, you know, late September and that's, so you don't really think about that as, as a water park Mecca, but it is. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that about a lot of different parks. I mean, some of them make sense. You get Disney and Southern California and Florida where it's always warm. But you also have Cedar Point that's in Sandusky. So uh, the roller coaster capital of the world's in a, in a part of the country that's known for being cold half the year. You know, I always thought that that was kind of ironic. Cool. All right. Uh, so I think you've got the next one. Yes, and an exciting update for the 2024 season. Worlds of Fun in Kansas City has unveiled significant changes to its popular events. Notably, Halloween Haunt will now be seamlessly integrated into the park experience, eliminating the need for a separate ticket. Parkgoers can revel in the spooky festivities without the hassle of having to leave the park and re-enter. Uh, adding to the thrill, Worlds of Fun is going to introduce tricks and treats. A new event scheduled to kick off on Saturday, September 14th. This not-so-scary edition promises spectacular shows, delectable seasonal treats, and a lineup of ghoulish activities for guests to immerse themselves in. And as the summer approaches, the amusement park is set to launch a fresh and immersive event called KC Summer Nights. With a unique Kansas City twist, this summer festival promises a season of unforgettable experiences and entertainment. Now, Ryan, I really love what they're doing with this KC Summer Nights. Yeah, I, I've seen several summer night celebrations at several of the Cedar Fair parks, and it's always really fun. Uh, I feel like there's nothing, you know, because people are like, it's the most wonderful time of the year at Christmas. But, you know, in a second place finish, 
it's those the evening after a hot day and the sun goes down, it gets cool, it gets comfortable and everyone's energized and stuff. I, I mean, I, that's why like the beach is my favorite part of Cedar Point because that's kind of what it reflects for me. So if they have those kind of celebrations in Kansas City, I, I think they're in for, for a really good event. Oh, absolutely. What's awesome. Next? So next up, Intimidator at Carowinds has been rethemed. Rev up your engines and get ready to race into an exciting new chapter for one of Carowinds' iconic attractions. Introducing Thunderstriker, the Carolina's fastest, meanest hot rod. According to Carowinds' website, Thunderstriker was built in the back of Earl's Garage on Thunder Road. Master mechanics stripped down the old jalopy and scrounged up parts to create a souped-up engine that's optimized for pure speed. Now, Thunder... Uh, now Thunderstriker is the champion of the dirt road. Uh, the fastest, meanest hot rod in two states. The name change was necessary because the contract granting parks naming rights uh, for the coaster is set to expire or was expiring at the end of December. So we kind of saw this coming, didn't we? We did. And, you know, it was uh, it's tough when you do those deals you know, those licensing deals and that, uh, that you're always having to, to renegotiate those. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's understandable why they needed to make this change. Yeah. Uh, it's some of this stuff is kind of like, it's gotta be baked into the plan where we'll do this deal for a set amount of time and then we'll worry about it down the road. But for marketing purposes, it probably worked rather well. Uh, they also, yeah, it did when it first opened, I thought, you know, when they did it, I thought, you know, if they get five or six years out of this name, you know, that's great. And then you're going to eventually have to transition, uh, transition onto something else. Uh, but what do you think of the name? There's a lot of thunder stuff out there. So I think the name is kind of benign, but it's also kind of like, what kind of effort are they going to put into the theme? Because if they're going to go somewhere with this, then I'm totally cool with it. But I, I like the backstory. Yeah. I like that. Um, I think it does have that uh, NASCAR type of, you know, vibe to it when you call it Thunderstriker. So, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it. And again, the name of a ride doesn't really matter that much. But side note, and this isn't in our notes, uh, at uh, King's Dominion, Intimidator 305, they're teasing that it's going to have a name change too. It's on the website as Project 305, but I don't necessarily think that's going to be the name. I don't know for sure. Let's hope that's yeah. Not the let's name. let's yeah. Let's hope that's not the name, but. Um, they may go a different direction from the racing and stuff. Honestly, I, I don't understand why. I, I mean, I, I guess NASCAR is big in Virginia, but you know, the Carolinas are known for NASCAR. So I get that. But the one in King in Kings Dominion in Virginia didn't make as much sense to me really ever. But Don, you were the interim manager, PR manager at Carowinds for the launch of this ride. D does it hurt you a little bit to see the name that you were promoting kind of go away? Yeah, I'm erased a little bit further from history, I guess, from the Cedar Fair chain. But uh, no, that was a that was a really fun uh, a time for me. Great opportunity to be able to go there, and um, you know, the year before I had done you know Diamondback at Kings Island with that campaign, and and that was part of the the group that announced that attraction in 2008. So 2009, they asked if I could go there and just replicate what I did at Kings Island, and we did that, and. Just a great turnout, a lot of excitement. Carowinds hadn't had a, a big new attraction for several years, so it was a big deal when this was announced. And I uh, got to go back the next year when it when it opened, and uh, you know, guests absolutely loved it, and it's still a great ride. 
Awesome. Cool. Hey, let's move on to the listener question. And this is from Kyle Cavanaugh. And this is the most practical question we've had yet. Um, says, what are you going to go to? What are your go-to theme park shoes? And do you have to get new ones every season? I've got new balance that lasts two years, $150 ish. And by the end of the season, the tread is all but gone. I average 40 to 50 visits per season. This is our first question about theme park shoes, but it is actually a very good question. And we're two very good people to ask that. So Don, let me start with you. Well, it's a great question. It's a great question. Now I'm going to go back to when I was going to parks, making those 50, 70, 100 visits a year. Uh, The shoe that I wore in the 1980s was K-Swiss. And it was perfect for theme parks. You know, they're known, a lot of tennis players would wear K-Swiss. So they're very durable shoes, very comfortable shoes. Uh, so I had the K-Swiss models uh, throughout the 80s uh, when I was riding the racer every day and then visiting other theme parks around the country and even going into the 1990s. Uh, I have right now, Reebok is what I've, you know, currently are wearing. And I, I don't make those 40, 50 trips a year. Uh, but as I'm going to start ramping it up this summer and getting back out there a lot, you know, I looked online today after after seeing this question and I wanted to see what K-Swiss has. So uh, for me, I'm going to look toward a K-Swiss model because I had such great success and durability and comfort with that in the 1980s. What about you, Ryan? Well, so personally, I uh, I have these shoes and I'll, sh- I'll take my shoe off right now. These are on cloud shoes. And if anybody's a serious runner, they know because this is kind of like the Lululemon of shoes where it's you know, quite a bit more expensive, but you know, these go from about 150 to 200 or so. Um, shout out to trade home shoes in the Kenwood mall. If you're local to Cincinnati, that's where I get all my on cloud needs fulfilled. But, um, they, the tread seems to last a little bit longer. I walk in a weird way where I tear up the tread pretty badly. Uh, if I have cheap shoes, they last for, I mean, if like, as far as like, park visits are concerned, they'll last about 15 or so. Uh, but these would probably last about a season. Um, I'll say this, if your shoes are comfortable and you're getting two seasons out of them for that price for 150 bucks, you're, you're coming out ahead because that's kind of what shoes cost nowadays. I hate to say it, but, um, that's a really good question. You know, whatever's comfortable for you, if you're not going home with blisters then good, go for it, you know? Yeah, but I, I, I highly recommend, though, go online, look up K-Swiss, look at the options that they have. Um, and, you know, I love the shoe. I thought it was perfect for uh, theme parks. And I had a number of enthusiasts that saw that I had K-Swiss back in the 80s, and they also got those shoes and, uh, and really loved them. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your question. So make sure you should go online and look up your K-Swisses. Hey, uh, make sure you follow us on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify. You know the drill. Smash that like button. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. And follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at attractions underscore GRP. We'll see you next week, everybody.